Hello, and welcome to Prophecy Girls, a Buffy rewatch podcast. I'm Kara Babcock, pronouns she, her. And I'm Stephanie Chow, pronouns she, her. Join us each week as we break down every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer from the beginning. This is a spoiler-free podcast, and we're currently on season three. Whether you're watching for the first time or longtime fans like us, we'll be analyzing every episode, character, and storyline like it's our first time too. During this rewatch, we'll reminisce about our memories of Buffy, discuss the show's cultural impact, and provide honest commentary from a 21st century lens. Thanks for listening. Now on to the episode. Welcome to a very special episode of Prophecy Girls. It's a Q&A. Or should I say, because both of us are Canadian, Stephanie, it's a Q&A. Hey, a. a Canadian pun. I love it. There's nothing uh, like Canadian puns and Q&As on an early Saturday morning. Yeah. Well, we asked for questions and you, our lovely listeners, have delivered. We got so many questions. Um, we, we can't possibly answer them all. So if, if we don't get to yours... Don't feel bad. It's uh, it's just because we got so many questions and we only have so much time right now. But, you know, the fact that we got so many questions and that this is so well received, maybe we'll do it again sometime. And also these questions were amazing. I was thinking, you know, this would be really easy and fun and just off the top of my head. But some of you were like, no, we're going to make Kara and Steph think. <laughs> we're going to force them to use their brains. I had to make notes too. Some of these questions were really good. So yeah, like we can't read everybody's out. There's simply too many, but we we've grouped them together and we can get still give you a shout out. If so a lot of these questions mm-hmm. were so some of them were very similar um in their own yeah. unique ways if that makes sense. And, and and some of the questions like if for those of you who are asking like who's your favorite character or what season do you like the most? Is it changing with your rewatch? Uh, We addressed some of that in our very first episode, our introductory episode, before we even did the pilot. So you could go back, you could listen to what we said then. We will address that again in the future, but we're just not quite far enough along in the rewatch for us to really start saying, oh, you know, this opinion has really changed. Like, we're only in the middle of season three. So we're we're reserving some of those questions, uh, and I'm sure we'll come back to them in, in the future. I also just want to mention... This should be pretty obvious, but there will be spoilers here for the rest of Buffy. So if you have not watched the series and you want to stay spoiler-free, I'm sorry. You probably want to stop listening to the episode right now. But, you know, the fun thing about Buffy is so many of you are fans and you have all these questions. And we love doing these bonus episodes where we can kind of take the blinders off and just say, you know what? We're going to talk about the whole series here. So that's what Steph and I are going to do. We're going to let loose. Oh, we're so loose this Saturday morning. So fresh and loose. I'm limber. And ready to party. I'm limbering up. I stretched a little bit. Let's do this. Let's, a- let's answer these questions. Our first question we have from Leah, Leah. M. Nasrallah. I'm going to butcher everybody's usernames here. Uh, what storylines would you change or remove in the show, if any? Uh, and similar mm. questions were asked by Suzanne Bennett, producer PK, and Sabrina Jansen. Thank you, all of you. Mm-hmm. What do you What do you think, Stephanie? This is hard. Um, again and again because we haven't rewatched the whole thing yet. But like, there is a certain someone who is introduced in season five that I 
have a hard time getting on board with. And that person is a young girl named Dawn. Okay. I like that she was added to the show. I think that adds, like, it's a really interesting choice story-wise. But where did she go from season six and seven? Like, what happened with Dawn that was fascinating? That, Nothing. <laughs> that's my answer as well, right? Is they didn't develop her character well enough. And it's not Dawn's fault. It's not Michelle Trachtenberg's fault. It's just the writers put her in there. They just mm-hmm. threw her into the series. And they yep. didn't do enough with her story after season five. I completely agree. Yeah. So sorry, Dawn. Um, but maybe this rewatch, she'll f- fare better, you know? Who knows? Yeah, I just, I wish they had taken more time to tell us about who she is. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe give her, you know, more stories, more development. The other thing I would say that I would add in or that I would change about Buffy is I, you know, if the show were being made today, I would want to see a more nuanced portrayal of religion. And I thought about this because you and I just recorded a men's and we talked about Willow being Jewish, which comes up in the show once in a while. But for the most part, these characters are pretty secular, which is interesting because the United States is not as much as y'all might claim to be. For a show about the supernatural to not really address the existence or non-existence of the the divine I feel like that's a missed opportunity and maybe they just didn't want to go there because they didn't want to upset, you know, the audience. But like I'm speaking from the point of view of an atheist here. I don't believe in a deity. I don't practice a religion. But it feels weird to me to see a show where almost none of the characters talk about going to church or talk (laughs) about religious practices. You know, like that's part of diversity as well obviously i want to see a more racially diverse cast i want to see like uh better representation of sexuality and disability mm-hmm. but religion's also missing from the equation and it's weird it, it definitely would have benefited the show to see a little bit of that and i know like suzanne like one of her question was more along the lines of what's a story you wish they had told but they never did and i agree with you i think religion would have been a really interesting one and then on the other hand i said like they should have gone to a different decade in the wish we got you know a, an alternate reality but they never actually like sometimes these shows Ooh, like to time travel yeah sometimes they go backwards or forwards oh yeah it would have been so cool to see a buffy episode in the 60s for example i mean because we have vampires and supernatural beings we do get to see their past but wouldn't it be fun to see the cast end up in a different decade that's the 20s such or a something? good idea i bet there's fanfic about that out there yeah that have been such a good episode so yeah so well let's go to our next set of questions i really liked the ones about asking us about the reboot that they're possibly coming up with for buffy and again we're gonna butcher these names decatcher wine poets as well as jacqueline de queen wrote in about the reboot it said would you want to see a reboot of buffy or something else in the buffy verse and ideally what would you like to be included if there were a reboot what did you say for that? I'm open to it. I'm a little cynical about the fact mm-hmm. that we keep mining these cultural properties that are like barely, you know, 20, 30 years old, but I'm open to it. I know there's been rumors, interminable rumors of a Buffy re- reboot in the in the make for a while now. There's been rumors about the casting and stuff. All I can really say is I hope the show is not too precious. I hope that they're willing to distance themselves from the original series and maybe play with the premise a little bit because I feel like that's what makes reboots more successful is don't devote yourself to remaking the show for 
the current generation in the current times because that's not going to work. We are a different generation. We are experiencing a pandemic right now. So as much as I love the original series, and I think a lot of it does hold up right now, you need to make it your own. So I hope whoever runs that show, and I hope it's not Joss Whedon, um, mm-hmm. does that. Yeah. I also thought it might be interesting. I just had this like random thought because I know the TV series Supernatural, they actually tried to make an anime version of it. Mm, I don't think it so lasted cool. very long. But I well, think Buffy would work really well as an anime. And again, I say this as somebody who doesn't watch anime, but <laughs> I admire it as an art form. And, you know, the supernatural aspects, magical girl transformation sequences, like the the over-the-top enemies. Like, can you imagine the master or glory as anime characters? You know, <laughs> like, it just, it, it feels tailor-made for that form. Well, I do watch anime, and I agree with you. Anime would be amazing for the Buffy series or the Buffyverse. Uh, I know they did have a very short-lived cartoon series, like the Buffy animated series, but like an, an full-on Japanese anime would be amazing. What I would want to see in the reboot is more representation, obviously. But um, if they were to reboot it, like you're saying, but do a different story or like take a different element, I would love to see them continue on with the newly activated slayers, like all the women who are going to be slayers or slayers from a young Mm. age. And Mm -hmm. I would just love to see a slayer war. You know, like some girls go to the the dark side or the like faith and they're a little bit more complicated. And just to see how that would play out, like two sides of this like new because like they're supposed to be fighting for good, but they're not all going to be good. And I just think it'd be really fascinating to see a slayer as a villain, like basically season three of Buffy, but on a much bigger scale. That'd be cool. Yeah. <laughs> how do you feel about Buffy's morally gray progression, especially in later seasons? This comes from Beanie One One. One sex. This is the beanie. You are making my head hurt <laughs> in a good way because I like it. I mean, I think Buffy struggling, Buffy growing up into adulthood, you know, that's normal struggling and making mistakes and having the wrong relationships and making the wrong choices. That's all part of growing up. So if the morally gray part of Buffy's choices is wrapped up in that and the story is still good and makes sense for her character growth then fine i'm okay with that that was a great answer um in my notes i just have i'm in favor um, <laughs> I, 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 I think it's good for protagonists to be morally gray you know I, I think if our heroes are always black and white are always good and upstanding without any issues or if they if, if they don't make mistakes or if they don't do bad things sometimes how can we identify with them you know i couldn't identify with like i I personally i can't identify with somebody like superman (laughs) you know what um clark kent i know my boyfriend i know (laughs) what do you mean i'm making this comparison very deliberately because Mm -hmm. i chose my name cara after cara danvers who is supergirl Mm -hmm. and i chose that because in the cw version of the tv show supergirl She's a very flawed character, and she she makes mistakes, and she has to learn, um, and that really appealed to me. So I really identify with Supergirl and Kara Danvers, mm-hmm. but for somebody like Superman, it's harder because if you're just this chisel-faced hero who's always doing the right thing, you know, I've always appreciated those elements of, of, of the comics that bring 
that moral grayness to Superman. I'm not saying that everything needs to be gritty and dark, you know, because like I do Batman think that maybe, yeah, like we've swung the pendulum too far in that direction sometimes. And I'm not a fan of like grim, dark stuff. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. this is why I admire Buffy so much. I think the series, you know, I said earlier, it holds up. A lot of the later seasons of Buffy would not be out of place in TV shows today in terms of their tone and their atmosphere. There's that darkness, but there's also the humor, which I appreciate. And a lot of that comes from the fact that Sarah Michelle Gellar plays her character as somebody who is increasingly world-weary because she keeps saving the fucking world. And nobody thanks her. She doesn't even have a college degree out of it. She has no money. Like, yeah. she, you know, it's, it's you know, typical women doing all the labor and not getting any of, any of the things, right? So, Buffy, you deserve to be morally gray at that point. Yes, we allow it. We, like, I can't wait to get to season seven when we get to that part of her journey because I'm going to be like, oh, Buffy, like, it's been a long seven years. A long fucking <laughs> seven years for you. So you do you. Um I want to get to Sarah the Millennials question because it has a lot to do with what we kind of just talked about, but um, I'm curious to know what you say. If there had to be one crossover episode with another TV show, because we were talking about Superman just now, um, and we talked about anime earlier, but you know, in a movie or universe or whatever, which show do you think would have worked best or would be the would have been the most interesting character-wise? So who did you pick? What show would you mash up an episode of Buffy with? I would be interested in our listeners' responses for this one because I feel like the best response is probably just a TV show I can't, like, come up with off the top of my head. Um, right. So I said either Charmed or Supernatural. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Charmed was relatively contemporaneous with Buffy and very similar and supernatural, although more modern, you know, it, it's also supernatural. So I think the, the themes of the shows really line up. And both of those series have established the existence of parallel universes, which I think would provide a nice uh, plot device for the crossover, right? So we could visit the parallel universe in which Buffy the Vampire Slayer exists and magic <laughs> works a little differently and monsters work a little differently, right? And yeah. I just I think that would They're be They're also cool. WB slash CW shows, so it'd be really easy for the network oh, right. to pull that off. Licensing, yeah, that works. <laughs> um, on a logistics point of view. But um, okay, well, I went a little a little wild with this one because earlier you said anime, and I said for this answer, Sailor Moon. I would love oh, yeah. to see the Scooby Gang in Sailor Moon because Buffy like having to do this like long five minute transformation into her miniskirt so she can fight evil. It just makes Sailor sense. Sailor Moon's the only anime I do watch um, yeah. or have watched because all the yeah. originals are on Crave. Um, and I agree with you. Or what if it was Buffy crossing over with the version of Scooby Doo where Sarah Michelle Gellar plays Daphne? <laughs> amazing (laughs) i love that idea um and i also okay and this is just for people like me who are theater geeks i said it would be so funny to get buffy and high school musical together (laughs) oh yeah because like okay they're high school setting right and like we know that the buffy cast can sing we know that they have done musical episodes before but when you get the cookie cutterness of Disney in High School Musical, and suddenly they have to like fight the undead or fight evil, <laughs> I just love this concept of like Troy Bolton having to take out a, a having to get to that basketball game, but also stake a vampire <laughs> into it. Would watch Disney make it happen. <laughs> Absolutely. So speaking of high school, Steph, 
uh, Katie Brud 3 asks, do you prefer the high school years or the college years? Presu- I'm assuming it, it's of Buffy um, and not just like, do we prefer our high school or college <laughs> years? Because then my answer would be different. But Oh, my answer would be very different. <laughs> so of from Buffy, which did you prefer? Uh, high school years. High school years for me. Same. I'm also not as familiar with the last three seasons, so I'm excited oh to get there God. in our rewatch. I am. Ex- I'm excited for that, too, because mm-hmm. I-, I can't wait to see your reactions. That I'm with <laughs> you. The high school years, I think, like I was reflecting on earlier, I'm not about the grimness on TV most of the time. I understand it has its purpose, and I appreciate moral gray areas, which yeah. I think the high school years have plenty of. I like the youthfulness. I like how they haven't quite started to embrace the weight of the world being on their shoulders. And I I would be interested to know if my answer changed if Buffy had gone on longer. Because, you know, if I think about a series like Stargate SG-1, I really, really like seasons 7 and 8 of Stargate SG-1. Because at that point, the show has gone on for so long. The actors are so comfortable in their roles. They've saved the world so many times. The series starts to joke around with itself in a really endearing way and i don't i don't think buffy quite got to that point as a series but i'm wondering if they had gone on for like nine or ten seasons instead of seven would they have reached that point where they were a little more jokey with themselves i think like angel did that in its final season and that was one of the reasons that it endeared itself to me like i came to angel not enjoying the few episodes i saw of the previous seasons when i could catch Mm -hmm. them on tv and then i finished buffy and season five of Angel was starting, and I'm like, I guess I'll watch it. And it was amazing. And I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> so I went good. back and watched the rest of the seasons, and I'm like, none of these are as good as season five. But yeah. I still enjoyed them. So I, I like when a series can look back at itself, but for me, I think the high school years, like right now, Steph, the stuff that we're talking about in season three with like Faith and Willow and Xander and their guilt and Buffy having to deal with losing Angel again, like... Mm-hmm delicious drama oh my goodness well i think also like high school it's like those are two different shows at that point right there's a high school show where kids are growing up and dealing with adolescent stuff and then there's the adult side of the show they literally are propelled into the adult world and have to deal with heavier yeah, things and, and so I, it's just different vibes i said this previously maybe in the intro episode but the more i rewatch buffy especially as i get older the more i have grown to appreciate the college years you know i mm-hmm. When I was a kid and they went into college, I'm just like, I don't like this. This is weird because I hadn't been there yet. And now that I'm <laughs> past that point, I'm like, okay, I understand those struggles a little better. So I am curious to see, like you were saying, as we rewatch it for the pod, will I enjoy it even more? Who knows? Stay tuned. Yeah. Well, I mean, Marshall.0.1.3 asked us, how do you feel about the ending, specifically the activation of all the Slayers? Do you think this was lazy, smart, or a plot hole? (sighs) For me, I'm obsessed. (laughs) Like, I love that they did that. I think that was was such a nice, uplifting way to end a show, especially when the last two seasons are kind of a slog when it comes to being Mm -hmm. serious. So to have this girl power end it with a bang we're changing everything we're not going to quite miss buffy because the buffy we know is now over and now they've created a whole new world for themselves i love that i think that's great i love it too it's such an egalitarian way of fighting back against you know what we learned in season seven was that the ancestors of the watchers council 
bunch of men intentionally men. channeled this slaying, this pr- primal slaying force into a single girl so that they could control it, control her, right? And it was this immense act of patriarchy. So for the show to say, we're going to change that, we're going to break that chain. And instead of only having one slayer born to every generation, anybody who could potentially be a slayer is going to get those powers. And and I love Mm -hmm. that. And I, I love that idea that Buffy's last act in this series is to, you know, through Willow, basically say, fuck you to the Watchers Council and say, not only do I quit, but I am totally ruining this scam that you've got going on here. Because now all of these women girls that you have, you know, maybe been training and raising and brainwashing, they're going to have the power to kick your ass. And we're going to be in charge. Um, And I agree. Like, I think it would be interesting. I know, obviously, like, the comics and stuff have explored that through their medium. Neither of us read the comics. We're probably not going to. Sorry, listeners who are fans of the comics. Um, Come chat about comics on our Discord. But uh, I would love to see that on the TV show. We We get a tiny hint of what's going on through Andrew in season five of Angel. He's, you know, he's participating in this academy for slayers that they've got set up but we don't mm. hear too much more about it and i would love to to see the kind of world that exists as a result of what buffy and willow did reboot reboot <laughs> random stuff created asked cara i know you don't drink or do weed but i still want to ask the both of you if you were to blaze it with a buffy character who would you pick <laughs> I think the answer is pretty obvious that it would have to be Joyce. Oh, hell yeah. And like, okay, well, I mean, I'm somebody who has a blaze, as as random stuff created said. Joyce and Giles would be a fantastic night of eating band candy, (laughs) smoking J's, and just asking them about their life and what they think about what's going on in Sunnydale. I would love that conversation. You know, everybody thinks of me as Buffy's mom. There was like a whole year there after we moved to Sunnydale where they only called me Buffy's mom. I'm so much more than <laughs> a mom. fucked up. <laughs> I know. And then we would like ask Giles about his ripper pass. Like, oh my God, that that's, that's the then, night I And then want. as we left, we'd have the munchies and Joyce would give us dinner at a bank. Oh, here you go. Before you leave, <laughs> take these with you. And we would get the whole experience if Joyce and Giles are there. Steph, so, Steph, I just realized <laughs> chips, potato chips are literally dinner in a bag. <laughs> it's already been invented. Yeah, but like we can I, go I don't know. I, I, I imagine that's how I would be if I were high. I, I've never been high, but. Like, what do you mean? You'd be like all about potato chips? I have, I have, I just, I don't know. I imagine I would have all of these. This is why I don't uh, get high is because I feel like my brain's already operating on a higher plane of existence sometimes with just all (laughs) these weird connections I make. I would be scared if I enhanced that with drugs. Well, sometimes you dull it down with drugs, you know, like I feel like weed is actually, it it like chills a lot of people out, right? It's a, it's a mellow kind of thing. Um, don't do drugs, kids. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Let's get to, Oh, like a behind the scenes kind of thing. Um, a lot of questions about actors, which is interesting to me. One of them from Sietzke Jansen. <laughs> so sorry. Uh, and Eve Elizabeth, or Eve Elizabeth, asked about our favorite Buffy actor, who it is. 
And then going back and rewatching the show, what is your famous before they were famous actor? Like you're like, oh, they're in this show. So I'll start off. I'll just say that my favorite Buffy actor is Sarah Michelle Gellar. She poured her heart and soul into this role and shows. <laughs> and this is her show. So that's she's my fave. That's fair. I don't really have a good answer. I don't pay attention to actors. Um, as far as favorite goes, I, I don't like getting attached to actors because I feel like the moment I profess my love for an actor, we find out they have a deep, dark they're secret. Like they problematic. Are, you know, yeah, like they're high up in a sex cult or, yeah. you know, <clears throat> they secretly support conversion therapy or, yeah. you know, like... I, I don't I, I don't want to stand anybody like that because they all have their problems. But like for their talent, like what they brought to the show. Yeah. I more often just wonder what happened to the ones who didn't make it afterwards, right? Like Sarah Michelle Gellar obviously went on and had more roles. Um, Allison Hannigan, obviously, How I Met Your Mother. Probably the most successful is her or um, David Boreanaz. Right. David Boreanaz went on. He was in Bones. And doesn't he have another show now? Yeah, he's got some um, army show. Yeah. So he's doing great. And I wonder, like, what happened to some of these other actors who either left the profession or have just been doing, like, smaller roles since then? And I'm like, oh, like, I hope you're doing well. I think the actor, uh, Amber Benson, who played Tara, mm-hmm. I think she went on to write, like, romance novels. Good for so, her. So good for her. Uh, I, I will say that my favorite, what are you doing in this show moment will come later in season five when Amy Adams <laughs> shows up. And she did a lot of these like oh, yeah. little tiny bit roles. She was in Smallville at one point, The Office. Like she had a bunch of small roles before she became this huge movie star. So like we're going to see her later. And I'm like excited to see her because she's a fresh face. She's she's fun. I, I really like Amy Adams. Agreed. Uh, another question of favorites from Lisa Duza. Who or what is your favorite non-vampire villain? The Watcher's Council. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think that's what we're discovering on this rewatch, right? Is that the Watcher's Council, like, I always knew they were kind of bad and shady towards the end of the series. <laughs> but even early on, we're seeing just how awful they are. Yeah. And, you know, the villain of this show is the patriarchy. <laughs> yes, the villain of the show is patriarchy. And a big villain of, you know, that everyone doesn't want to overlook is gingivitis it is a slow tooth decay killer and we should all be aware (laughs) yeah or i was gonna say something so stupid like mrs french or miss french (laughs) i mean yes the villain is premarital sex right yeah the the villain is there's so many the villain is um our importance on virginity (laughs) like there's lots of things that this show villainizes a good one though i think to point out an obvious one is glory like glory was a really great villain Right. And she's a god. She's not a she's not a vampire. So I know that revelation in the middle of season five, where, again, the Watcher's Council shows up and they're like, ha 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 ha. Yeah, she's not a monster. She's not a demon. She's a god. And we're like, oh, shit, because that was a level up moment for the show, which I really appreciate. I also say for Glory, you know, she just wants to go home. Like, that's her goal. (laughs) She's not actually here to kill the Slayer. She's not here to fuck up this dimension on purpose. The fact that the entire Earth will be destroyed as a result of her going home, she just doesn't care about that. And, you know, I vibe with you, Glory. I feel (laughs) you. You just want to get home at any cost. And, you know, who else would vibe with you? Captain Catherine Janeway. Because she would Mm. do anything. She would murder people. She would break the Prime Directive to get her crew home. Captain mm-hmm. Janeway and Glory, I'm on your side. <laughs> <laughs> and that also answers Candy Floss Calvary 666 question about villains. 
Ooh, Spencer asks, what are your favorite episodes? Your absolute top three favorite episodes. And I know we've said what our favorite episode has been, but like off the top of your head, this is a quick one. What are your top three favorites? Uh, I can't do things off the top of my head. (laughs) I can. Becoming part two has always been my favorite one. And then I'm going to say once more with feeling and hush. Hush is a great episode. For all that I've watched the series so many times, I can never remember the names of some of these episodes. Obviously, the gift, I think, is what I said back in the intro episode for us. But... I like the the funny episodes. I like the small, funny episodes that don't really advance the plot. You know, I said this in the intro. One of the things I enjoy about Buffy is it's one of the last TV series that, in addition to having a serialized story arc, also still had enough episodes in its season order to have filler. And I like filler. I like the episodes where, you know, Buffy turns invisible. Or <laughs> there's a few other gag episodes, right? Like, I enjoy those. And yeah, the chaotic ones. Yeah. So those are some of my favorites. And I, I can't name more off the top of my head. I'm sorry. Well, here's one I put a lot of thought into. Um, as Moogle or Esme um, said, if the series were made today, who would you cast? And then Dana also asked the ver- a very similar question. Who would you cast um, as these characters, Buffy, Angel, Spike, and Willow? And I do pay a lot of attention to to actors. (laughs) So I've thought this through. This is the only question that I really took away and was like, "Mm, what am I going to pick? And I think for Buffy, if we were to cast it today, I would pick Zendaya. I'm obsessed with Zendaya. Uh, I think she would do an amazing job. For Angel, anyone who watches Bridgerton out there, his name is uh, Reggae Jean Page. And he played Simon, and he's so fucking hot, and I would cast him as Angel the Vampire. For Willow, I thought, I just went straight to the Euphoria cast, and I picked Hunter Schaefer, who is this beautiful trans woman, and I think that she would do a wonderful job as Willow, but also Maisie Williams from Game of Thrones. And then Spike was really hard, because I think James Marsters, the reason Spike is so popular is because it is James Marsters. Like, that is his character. Like, that's what made him famous, that's what continues to make him famous to this day. So it's hard to recast him. But um, I just picked Alex Pettifer, who is just like this haughty, whiny looking British white guy <laughs> from I Am Number Four. I, I, I just put him in there because he's handsome. So that's my recasting. I don't know who any of those people are. You don't know Zendaya? <laughs> oh, I've God. heard of Zendaya. She's in Dune, right? Yeah. Yes. Um, I don't I don't follow actors. I'm sorry. I don't. That's okay. That's why I took on that question. I knew. I was like, here's what I would say. I would love to see like a stunt casting where they like took Anthony Stewart head, but they recast him as like somebody else and he could have like a cameo in the the new series. I think that would be really fun. The the mayor. Something like that. Like not even a huge role, but just I enjoy, um, you know, like in the the 50th anniversary special for Doctor Who, they had a, a, a cameo part for Tom Baker, who played the fourth Doctor, and he shows up at the end of the... Um, episode as a museum curator and it's just so Mm -hmm. nice and so touching and i really enjoy that because it's like there's a little bit of fan service that doesn't uh distort the plot too much so i would like to see that i'd like to see former buffy actors come back not as their original roles but just kind of like in different roles yeah that'd be cool like what what if you know sarah michelle geller came back as buffy's mom uh that would be amazing i think (laughs) in a different reality right like it, it could totally like, like you said we have like the parallel universes and stuff that would be so interesting to see we have thoughts on labeling willow as a lesbian from anjali 2005 2023 
You know, we actually have had already a couple of hot stakes about this, about yes. Willow as a lesbian versus Willow as bisexual. And I know we're saving those hot stakes for when we get to that storyline later in the series. But yeah, we can address a little bit of it here. Yeah, I do want to talk about it because I, I think it's interesting. I think labels are interesting in these situations where the label is never really explicitly used on screen. Uh, I know it comes up a couple of times in the series. I know that the word gay comes up a couple of times. And, you know, I do feel for the writers and producers because they were in a tough spot in the early 2000s. I think they probably had to push very hard to get as much of Willow's sexuality and queerness on screen as we saw, right? Like the kiss, um, the use of magic and doing magic with Tara as a metaphor for having sex with her. Um, I, I think that, you know, in that homophobic atmosphere of the early 2000s on TV, they did a remarkable job getting as far as they did. They didn't go nearly as far as they should have, or, but could they have gone farther? I don't know. I think that because these labels aren't really being used very explicitly, it's possible to read Willow in various ways, depending on how you want to interpret her character's journey. Because there are women who date and have sex with men uh, and then go on to date and maybe have sex with women and decide, you know what, the label lesbian fits me, right? So it's not like once you've had sex with a man, you can't call yourself a lesbian, right? Uh, we don't want to be exclusionary. So I think it is valid. If you want to label Willow as, as a lesbian and look up to her as a lesbian hero, you can do that. But at the same time, I think uh, a lot of people have written in saying, you know, there's an element of bisexual erasure happening here. And that's biphobic. This idea that Willow is a lesbian, she's not bi. And I understand that too, because, you know, Willow went from her relationship with Oz, she had a relationship with Tara and then Kennedy, but you can be bi and still only exclusively date and have relationships with one particular gender. It's not like you have to keep switch hitting in order to keep your bi card valid. So I get that too. This is a tough one because I don't want to erase bi people, but I also don't want to exclude people from the definition of lesbian just because they've happened to have sex with a man at some point in their lives. What mm -hmm. do you think, Steph? I agree. Um, I, I, again, I feel like I'm going to be more comfortable talking about that once we get to that storyline just because I want to watch. I want to watch it and take it in and, and this is like what my thoughts are on it. But initially I do agree with you. I don't want to erase either. I, I want everyone to feel represented. I want Willow to be what you need her to be. Yeah. And, and we're not trying to be wishy-washy here, but we're trying to say, right, like all labels are valid, mm -hmm. but really the only labels that matter is the ones that you put on yourself. Right. And so because we don't have those labels for Willow, it's like with, you know, anything, any other type of label that you put on somebody, you don't put those labels on people. They choose the labels for themselves. Right. So we can read Willow as a lesbian. We can read her as bi. You know, there's lots of characters that I love to read as asexual in TV shows who aren't explicitly asexual. But if somebody else comes along and says, I have a different reading of that, that can also be valid because that's literature and that's media, <laughs> that's TV, right? Is where we, these things are open to that interpretation. Um, I hope 
that was a nuanced enough answer and it doesn't come across as evading the question and like Steph said we'll get there we're gonna get there we're, don't worry this is not yeah. the last time we talked about Willow and her queerness let's do some fireball questions there's some questions in here that we can give literally one answers for if we wanted to okay Zoximani X asks who's your favorite character I think in the intro I said Anya mm-hmm. I don't remember again it, it's tough you I'm sorry you said quick answers Anya yeah mine's Buffy which characters have you liked more during the rewatch and which have you liked less so far? I mean, we're still in early days here, but I'm loving Cordelia and Joyce. Way, like them way better than I ever have before. I like Xander less every time I watch the show. <laughs> Obviously, Xander does not fare well. That was from uh, Terrifically Tyra. Ciara underscore Witty asks, who's your favorite character who is not one of the main or occurring characters? Andrew. Snyder. <laughs> Aditi Athreya asks, which seasons are or were you the most excited to review so far anyway? I really can't wait until we talk about Riley. (laughs) I really cannot wait to destroy that Riley character. Let's put it Uh, this way. For everybody who's upset about the Xander slander, (laughs) I I feel like we're going to take season four off for most of the Xander slander. And it's just going to be all Riley slander all the time. So you're welcome. get too ahead of ourselves will i ever lay off xander i don't know i'm just saying he's less of an issue in season four and it's yeah. more riley to blame for everything let's be real i am i am looking forward to season four and i'm also i like believe it or not i am excited to review season six and seven because like i said i'm not as familiar and it's time it's time to rewatch these episodes and be like what are we watching you know like and how do i feel about it so i am excited for those Another rapid fire question. This is from Savannah Meg One. If you could only watch one Buffy episode for the rest of your life, which would it be? You keep asking these rapid fire questions. I don't have a good answer for Steph. <laughs> I have for this one, for me, it's Once More With Feeling. I will watch that for the rest of my life. If that was the only episode I could pick, that's the one. Um, you go Glen Coco 190, along with my answer to the previous question, What asks... What are both of your favorite and least favorite songs from Once More With Feeling? And I really want to answer this because we're not going to get to this episode, which is literally, I just said, one of my favorites for a while. And I'll say that my least favorite song from that episode has always been Under Your Spell, the Tara version. Um, Not that it's not beautiful, not that she doesn't do a great job. It just doesn't hit me. The reprise, on the other hand, is amazing. And then my favorite is Where Do We Go From Here? Because I love a good conclusion song in a musical. Ties all the elements together. I'm with you on where do you, we go from here? Wait, no. Sorry. I lied. <laughs> um, sorry. My favorite is Walk Through the Fire. I borrowed the soundtrack CD from my library back when I was younger. And I ripped it to my computer so I could have a copy forever without paying for it. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um you know, I had a couple of songs, not all of them, that I would put on my iPad, iPod Nano, because that's how old I am. Yes. <laughs> Children, we used to have dedicated digital devices for our music. We didn't just put them on our phones. And uh, Walk Through the Fire is the one song that consistently stayed on my iPod. Uh, there's others that are bangers, but I love that yeah. one. I love the the sequence where, they're, they're, you know, they're talking about it burning and, and the fire trucks are going by in the background. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's great. Least favorite would be the mustard one. Oh. Sorry. Like, that's the part of musicals I don't like is the whole everybody singing and dancing like that, um, which I know is the point of musicals. And that's, that's why I, I don't usually it. consume That's the them. whole point. 
Uh, okay, related to that, yeah. we had the Bex ask us about our saddest moment. And as Moogle also asked, what's the most iconic moment? And for me, I will say this comes from Once More With Feeling. And it's the moment when Buffy sings about how she wasn't in hell. She was in heaven. Mm. And everybody hears her and stops. And, you know, Willow's like, oh, God, what have we done? Because... I enjoy Once More with Feeling for the gimmick episode it is. I do have more thoughts on that whole thing, which we will get to in season six. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But for me, that is a pivotal moment for the episode, for the season, because that's really the moment where we start to understand why Buffy is so out of it. Yeah. But it's also the pivotal moment for this whole series because, you know, we've had five years of Buffy very nearly sacrificing herself to the point where she does sacrifice herself to save the world. In season six, she's brought back. She didn't ask to be brought back. Yeah. So for the show, just like in season five, when they reveal the glories of God, for the show to come back and say, you know what? When Buffy was dead, she wasn't actually in a hell dimension. She was in a heaven dimension and she was happy. You know, she was content for eternity. And you ripped that away from her. That's an oh shit moment. And I really appreciate how the show built up to that and how they delivered it through that song. I 100% agree with you. And I also think it's so interesting that parallel, we'll get there, but the parallel between Angel coming back from hell and being disoriented and they're playing that off. Like we might think that that's, what's bu that's what Buffy's going through, but turns out it's the opposite that she's like, I'm in hell now. Oh, can't wait to get there. Uh, and to answer your question, the Bex, the saddest moment is definitely going to be the body. The, yeah. Joyce's funeral even and the episode after it like I I don't even know I don't think I'm ready I really don't think I'm ready for these though that's that slew of storyline episodes but that's going to be a tearjerker for sure okay we have uh slay girl slay asks us Buffy is a feminist hero absolutely but do you think Joss sexualizes the female hero yes <laughs> I do Yes, I've already ranted about this yeah. in surprise with the Madonna whore complex. Absolutely. He does it on purpose. Uh, he does it unconsciously. It's not just him. You know, we can't lay all the blame for the male gaze in the show at the feet of Joss Whedon. There's lots of other writers there. There's women writers who are present on this show as well, right? But yes, the show sexualizes its female heroes. They do it with Buffy. They do it with Willow. They do it with Faith. Uh, they do it with pretty much everybody. There are good things about that. You know, there's something to be said for the empowerment of women and their sexuality. Uh, and there's also bad things about that. And I hope that this is something that we have started to address in the podcast and will continue to address as we go through the series. Agreed. Slay Girl Slay also asked if there were three things or just one thing that you can change in the high school years, what would they be? I would make season one a full season for sure. Oh, yeah. Good call. Lost ICVE asks, have you seen the Angel series? We have. And what is your thoughts? Like, what's your favorite thing about that series? I'm in favor. <laughs> <laughs> we give it a thumbs up. My favorite thing about that season, about that series, is Angel. <laughs> I love that we get to venture off with Angel and see what he's up to outside of Buffy, right? Like, what is, how is Agreed. he going to fulfill his destiny? And I love that journey for him. I think we talked about this a bit in Angel on Trial. He really comes into his own as a character in that series, right? Like in Buffy, he's the fuckboy, the boyfriend, the tragic kind of foil. 
in Angel, he gets to grow. He becomes a more mature character. And David Boreanaz does such a good job of portraying that burden of knowing that no matter how much good you do, you're never going to be able to redeem yourself. Yeah. Uh, you go, Glenn Coco, 190 asks, which character do you think has the most satisfying character development from start to finish versus who has the worst and why? Uh, I'm going to say Spike and Joyce. Spike has the most satisfying. I mean, he goes from this villain who shows up for part of season two to being this amazing regular character, sometimes enemy, sometimes ally. Like, mm -hmm. you know, it, it's so many tropes. Spike satisfies magnificent bastard, uh, enemies to lovers, back-to-back -back fighting. Like, Spike's great. Joyce, kind of like Dawn, I feel like they didn't use her enough. They killed her off in season five. <laughs> like, yeah. I want to see Joyce have to go through Buffy growing into adulthood, still being the Slayer, I want to see Joyce dealing with Buffy dying. Like, uh, again, the writers did Dawn dirty. They did Joyce dirty. Like, I, I agree hmm. with that. I, I would go with Spike and Buffy for most satisfying character development and arc. And for least satisfying or the worst, I'd say Xander. Because I, I mean, it remains to the, be seen. But by season seven, I'd be like, how much has he really changed besides being one-eyed now, you know? <laughs> and um, Abby Y. Road asked a similar question. And also asked, do you have a favorite episode centered around, you know, the various Scoobies? I don't think we can answer for every Scooby, but Steph, is there a particular like Buffy or Willow or Xander episode or Giles episode? Like, do you have one that kind of jumps out at you? Is like, oh, yeah. I mean, this might be a cop out, but I think, okay, the episode Hush, like in mm -hmm. terms of it being like a one character central, it's not really. But every single character in that episode has a chance to shine and do something hmm. interesting and new and stand out. There's that scene with Spike and Xander in his basement when they realize they can't talk. Just, there's a lot of scenes in that episode that I think allow the characters yes. to stand out and do something cool. I will say I like the episode where Xander gets split into the, the two versions of himself. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a really good one, too. I can't wait to get to these later seasons. They're going to be so good. Yeah. We have a similar question from a Siet Skidjansi. <laughs> I'm so sorry. And uh, Jess underscore Sabanko, who asked, what are our favorite or least favorite or top five favorite friendships or Buffy verse ships? And I'm not going to give you five, but I will say Buffy and Giles and their relationship is my favorite ship. Yes. Right? Like, that's a great relationship. I appreciate the inclusion of friendship in this question, right? And the acknowledgement yeah. that friendship is, is just as good as romantic ships. But I love talking ships. Um, mm -hmm. We had a question previously from someone. Savannah Meg also asked previously, what do you think of an Anya Giles ship? I'm in favor. I'm in There it, is the sure. age gap there. Anya's a little <laughs> old for you, honey. Um, Anya should watch herself. We've talked about age gap on the show before. <laughs> what a pervert. <laughs> right? She's robbing the cradle with Giles. Yikes. Uh, no, uh, as far as like friendships go, Spike and Anya, or relationship, I guess, because they do have sex at one point. I love Spike and Anya. Spike taking care of Dawn. Hilarious. Mm-hmm. I'm not myself if I don't say Bangel. Obviously, I ship Bangel. But yeah, like these, there's a really endearing friendships in here too. Like Joyce and Spike, I ship. Oh, <laughs> like... for sure. I would watch a spinoff series of Joyce and Spike, like buddy cops solving crimes or something. Oh yeah. my God, they could solve art heists. Oh, uh, okay. 
Say no more. Somebody Say write no that more. Fic right now. Joyce and Spike <laughs> right solve heart crimes. Get out there. Do it. <laughs> Get writing. Um, <laughs> that actually goes into uh, Connor Roll uh, from Twitter. They wrote in and said, "If you could have had any character from any season get a spinoff, who would you pick?" And I said Robin Wood and his mom Nikki, who was a Slayer in the '80s, I believe. That would have been really yes. fun to watch. So that, good. I would watch that for sure. That's a spinoff. Uh, I said in my notes, Anya running the magic box would be good. But I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm, I'm too much into Joyce and Spike solving art crimes now. New answer. We want to see more Spike and Joyce right now. So, so here's a couple of quick questions we can answer. Um, Kate Adams asked opinions on Faith and her journey, and my note was great journey. <laughs> Yeah, really fun Agreed. to watch. I mean, yeah. we, we're talking about it right now. Like as you're listening to season three, yeah. this is Faith and her journey. We're going to have so many more opinions. And listeners, we will put Faith on trial later on. Don't you worry. Don't you worry. It's coming. Pit NYC girl 23 says, am I the only one that found Dawn super annoying? And my answer to that was, nope. <laughs> I also found her probably annoying. Not. Yeah. Probably not. You're probably not the only one. No, no. Amy Red 93 asks, what episode are you most excited to cover for the podcast? And unfortunately, like my most excited one has already passed, which was Becoming Part 2. But I am so fucking pumped for Once More With Feeling, and I cannot wait for Chosen, the very last episode. That's going to be a big one for you and I because it ends the podcast, right? It's going to be like, ah, I'm, we made it. <laughs> I'm looking forward to the body for hearing your commentary on it, Steph, because I know you have a very... A particular relationship with what goes on in this episode. So I, I want to know more about your feelings about that. Aww, that's sweet. I am looking forward to reviewing The Gift, but also the opening of season five, the Dracula episode. Because <laughs> so honestly, random. I think that is one of the most bonkers episodes of Buffy. <laughs> we should watch the original Dracula before we watch that episode. <laughs> Agreed. We should do it. Okay, uh, so Mandy Kane asks, what do you guys think of the magic addiction parallel in later seasons? Cara, what do you think? I think you already addressed this, Steph, because you've already said earlier in some of our discussions about Willow and her development of magic that she's showing her uh, power-hungry tendencies. <laughs> and that's something that I'm noticing in this rewatch, thanks to your observations, is the writers have done an excellent job of foreshadowing, laying this groundwork for willow's issues with magic yeah. so i think at some points in later seasons it does get a little bit heavy-handed but in general i think the show does cover it very well i agree and um tired hungry angry asked what social problems does a show address poorly or fail to address i think this is also something that you and i have touched on multiple times like if not every episode throughout <laughs> our rewatch right so and we're going to continue talking about the social why are there so many asian vampires in sunnydale when we don't see other asians who aren't vampires yeah seriously are they immigrating to the hellmouth why are they eating chinese food but there's no chinese people at the school except for one korean girl <laughs> <laughs> much questions much questions uh vicky laurentina asks do you think it's wise for sarah as in sarah michelle geller to quit buffy after the seventh season or should it be continued into the eighth season and afterwards and you know i can't speak for sarah michelle geller but i think seven years is a really long time to do one job especially a job that's as demanding with so many night shoots as she had to do like she probably wanted to start her family and i don't know if i could make things what i wanted to be I would almost tell her to stop at season five. Like, I really liked the ending of season five, you know? <laughs> I'd be like, stop yeah. sooner. <laughs> I can speak for Sarah Michelle Geller. I've been officially authorized to do so. Um, Breaking news. No, is that why they stopped the show? 
Is it because she she didn't want to continue? Oh, I don't know. I I mean, I I really don't think it's because she didn't want to keep going. I think it was time, right? I think everybody yeah. was like, it's time. I, I mean, seven seasons is a lot for a TV show in that era, right? Like, I think the most popular shows were getting seven seasons, and that was kind of the end point. Mm-hmm. And we're just now starting to get spoiled. I think about Supernatural and how that show went for 15 seasons and so many of the later seasons, and I say this as a diehard Supernatural stan, but so many of the later seasons were garbage, or at least Mm. had a lot of garbage in them because the show went on too long. It kept changing showrunners and they kept doing too much fan service to the point where that finale... Sorry, (laughs) this is not the forum, Cara. I know this is not the forum. (laughs) Um you got to know when to end a show. I think the writers and producers chose a good place to end Buffy. But I think what we're observing and what we're learning from doing this Q&A is that there is a hunger to continue that story in a medium other than comics. And I'm here for it. I've never watched Supernatural, but I believe you. And I will not continue after uh, whatever number season you think is best. So Savannah Go- underscore Gothra asks, what do you girls think of Oz getting back together with Willow after she cheated? Well, Savannah, this is very timely because we are getting into those episodes right now in our recap where we're going to be talking about, you know, is it too soon, right? And that that's my initial opinion. But maybe um, by the time you hear this bonus episode, you've already heard our thoughts on that. So go and listen to Amends and Gingerbread and all those fun holiday episodes. Yes, I'm with you. We talk about this. In general, I would say... I appreciate that the show doesn't make it this thing where they just kiss and make up and everything is fine. I think they do handle it with a fair amount of nuance, and that's good. Sunnydale Sis asks, favorite outfit of each character? I have a show to watch. I, I'm not a... <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I love I you know I love talking about the outfits when we see them. I just I don't remember them. The only yeah. outfit I remember is that amazing like corset thing that Tara wears in Once More with Feeling that then never shows up again. Where she looks like a princess. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think what I like about what I, what what I'll say about outfits is that every character has their own style and it's so distinct yes. to them, and I love that. I think the costuming on the show is good. And and if you ask me whose like style I like the most, I think they would be clear. I'd say Willow, especially in the early seasons, because that's mm-hmm. me. Is mm-hmm. you know, tights, skirt or dress, like cute, cutesy. Mine is Joyce. <laughs> I mean, the favorite outfit for Xander is easy because he's always wearing the same outfit. So yeah, sloppy Joe. <laughs> my favorite outfit, you know, my favorite outfit is Angel because Angel is always wearing these open shirts. <laughs> He's always shirtless, if anything. There, you know, are other characters wearing clothes at all? Because like I don't notice. All I see is what Angel's wearing or not wearing. So, um, oh, Veronica wants to know how long have we been friends for? Not long enough. <laughs> not long <Ooh>. enough. <laughs> I mean, as we explained in our, in our intro episode, we met in 2008, the summer of 08, um, mm. at the art gallery where we both worked in Thunder Bay. So we had, you know, a hot and heavy summer of friendship. And then we went our separate ways. We didn't really talk that much. And then at some point, we just started talking again online. You had your Disney Time podcast, and I kept poking you about that and other things. And then you were just like, hey, let's do a podcast together. And we made magic happen. I love it. Steph 
from Twitter, uh, Regina Skywalker also asked, you know, what made you guys decide to do the podcast? And again, we talk about this in our intro episode, but you know, in a nutshell, uh, we both love podcasting and we love each other. And we're like, let's do this. Let's do this up. It'll be fun. She has blackmail on me. This is, <laughs> I need help. Hello, if, any, if anybody's listening, I, I hope Steph doesn't <laughs> no, hear this shut up. and she doesn't edit Next this out. Next question. <laughs> I got a lot of collateral on Kara. She owed me a lot. So, um, Plain Simple Me asks, why do you think Xander was so poorly written? And on top of that interstellar moment, interstellar moment, <laughs> sorry, in your opinion, is Xander ever not terrible? Uh, so two questions about Xander here. Do I think he's poorly written? I actually think in a lot of ways he's really well written. He's got like a really great sense of humor. Mm -hmm. And for somebody who has literally zero to contribute, he's plunked into these plot lines pretty well. So I think he's well written. It's just, it's a sign of the times why we're not liking his character, right? Why we liked it so much 20 years ago and why we hate him now. There's that, but will he ever not be terrible? That remains to be seen. But we all know that Xander's been dead to me since he watched Buffy change in episode five. Like since then, I was like, "Wow, fuck him!" And it's it's that's how I felt since then. <laughs> I, I would. I mean, he he has his moments, but the point is, he still sucks. Like, <laughs> doesn't redeem him. Well said. Well said. Okay, we got two more questions. Uh, the first one is from Rashmika underscore Undo who asks, how do you guys feel about Buffy's relationship with Spike and Angel? We love them both and root for them to be with Buffy, yet their respective relationships with Buffy were quite dysfunctional and by 2021 standards considered toxic. What do you think? Oh, and this is a really loaded question, and I think that it's something that we will definitely be addressing, especially in the later seasons when we get to Spike and Buffy. But I'm just going to say, like, and I've said it before, I believe, but Spike and Buffy are a no for me. And in Angel and Trial, we came down to the conclusion that Angel doesn't deserve to be with Buffy. However, my judgment on Angel in that episode was only based on season one and two. So do I think that Angel and Buffy are dysfunctional in later seasons, even in season three, where we are right now? I don't think so. I think in later seasons, especially when Angel goes off and has his own life, when Buffy goes and experiences more of her own life separate, I don't know if they're going to be that dysfunctional if they ever came back together. Ultimately, Buffy should not be with a vampire, but I mean, who knows? Maybe Angel will achieve being a human one day you know he'll do so many good deeds he'll become a human they'll get together and have really beautiful babies like i don't know <laughs> i do think though that buffy needs to be single for a bit you know she's cookie dough she's baking she she has a lot more to do <laughs> on her own before she can settle down with any man okay i mean i'm with you for the most part steph uh we kind of went into this podcast not being aware of the spuffy versus bangel divide in the fandom which that, that took us by surprise in retrospect we should have known um should've i think known. in angel on trial we kind of came down more on the bangel side of things but like you said we're not on either team uh, yeah. we are switzerland in this yeah. and the more i rewatch the show the more problems i have with the idea of spuffy I, I think like you said she doesn't deserve to be with angel but i think her relationship with angel was far less toxic if that makes mm -hmm. sense than the one with spike uh, shout out to Alice on our Discord, who shared some Spike fanfic, and who also uh, commented that Lover's Walk is high on my list of fave episodes, and that would have just come out recently in our podcast reviews, uh, because it introduces my one true threesome, Spuff Angel. <laughs> uh, best of all worlds? I don't know. 
Yeah. But, uh, well, there you go. There's a possibility too. Thanks, Alice. Yeah, we're going to be talking a lot more about Buffy and Angel and Buffy and Spike as we go on. But I do want to give a little message to the fandom. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you ship Spuffy. It doesn't matter if you ship Angel. Like, we should all be able to be nice to each other and enjoy the show. Why can't we be friends? Why can't we be friends? Like like you said, Car and I wandered into the fandom and we're like, whoa, there's lots of fighting. There's lots of hate. And, you know, just just chill. Just everyone chill. It's fine. (laughs) Just enjoy the show, you know? (laughs) Okay, our last question is from... Courtney456, and it's one for you, Kara, and I wanted to end it off with this because I was really curious to hear your thoughts and wanted to end on your voice. So she asks, has has Kara's transition and living her life as her true awesome self changed her view of Buffy compared to before? That's a great question. And I've been thinking about this since we started the podcast. You know, one of the reasons I decided to do the podcast with you, Steph, other than the fact that I was excited to podcast with you and you have blackmail no. on me. I realized, you know, this is my first time rewatching the show since I realized and came out as trans. And this would be an opportunity for me to re-examine the show from this new vantage point. The short answer is yes. Definitely, I'm realizing that I've always identified with Willow, low-key in the past. There is record somewhere of me saying Xander's my favorite character, and that is... Not true anymore and slightly embarrassing, but we all had our indiscretions in the early days of the internet. Um, Everyone makes mistakes. Yeah, exactly. Well, well, (laughs) I think one of the reasons why I probably said that I identified a lot with Xander was because I was uncomfortable in my masculinity. I was uncomfortable in the idea of being a man. And Xander is such a fraught character when it comes to the concept of masculinity that I, I, I probably identified with those elements of it, you know, I didn't really feel like I fit in, just like Xander doesn't feel like he fits into this group. And and now that I've realized that the reason for that is because I was never a man, it's very freeing. You know, I just I look at characters like Willow and I'm like, I am the nerdy, awkward girl of the group, you know, who who is girly but also not like as confident in herself yet. I'm still figuring that out. And I, and you know, for me, Willow's journey through the series, the way that she becomes more confident in her style and herself. And by the end of the show, she's a leader. That is mirroring my trajectory. And I re- that's really inspiring to me. Hopefully, I don't get addicted to magic. You're going to have to watch that stuff. Oh, I'll be on Keep you. On I'll me. be on your case for sure. I'll think you're buying feathers but for what? <laughs> absolutely. Um, watching this show from my new perspective is definitely giving me new things to think about, especially the queer coding in the show. And I will continue to share those things as we go on in the podcast. Aw, thank you for that answer. And I will add that, Kara, people adore you. And like when I'm on TikTok, they're like, where's Kara? We don't want to see you. We want to see Kara. So um, thank you for being here is thank what I'm you. saying. Like, it means a lot to people that you're here. It was very affirming because I it was about it was around just before the time of my first anniversary of realizing it was trans. Uh, when you pitched this podcast to me and you said, we can call it Prophecy Girls. And I'm like, I'm a girl. You know, I'm one of the girls. And it was very affirming when you suggested that and suggested that title to me. And I'm like, yes, this is oh. this is where I belong. You belong here. We belong here. Um, thank you, everybody who wrote in and gave us these amazing questions. I'm so happy that we've built this community, that we are re-examining Buffy all together and that Everybody here who wrote in is on this journey with us. It's great. We're celebrating the show. 
we're being critical when we need to be critical. We're having good conversations. So yeah, we will do more Q&As. And if you have any other ideas for these kinds of bonus chat episodes, just let us know. Uh, Send us an email. Join us on Discord. Whatever you want to do. Uh, Special shout out to our Buy Me A Coffee supporters, particularly our chosen ones, uh, Emma, Lizzie, Hannah, and Tara. Thanks, and we'll see you guys soon. Bye. Thanks for listening to Prophecy Girls. If you want and can afford to donate, head over to buymeacoffee.com slash prophecygirls for one-time and monthly options. We appreciate all of your support, even if it's just spreading the word about us or enjoying our show week by week. We also invite you to join in the discussion by messaging us on our social media channels. Follow us at Prophecy Girls Podcast on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook, and prophecy underscore girls on Twitter. You can also reach out to our email at prophecygirlspodcast at gmail.com or visit our website, prophecygirls.ca. See you next week. Bye.